Greetings, Matt comrades. It is your humble DM, Mike Gergoni here, to let you know that we here at Material Components are now part of the Punch-Up Entertainment Network. Punch-Up is proud to present such podcasts as Panel Up, The Action Shelf, and The Very Podcast you're listening to right now. And of course, the best way to support all of these shows is by going to patron.podbean.com slash punchup and becoming a patron today. When you do, you'll get access to all sorts of bonus content, including a brand new one-shot from the folks here at Material Components, in which our heroes attempt to solve a murder in the urban fantasy streets beyond the veil. If you ever wanted to hear Michael Lisman playing as Detective Sasquatch, now's your chance. Once again, that's patron.podbean.com slash punchup. Thanks for all the support, and now, let's get you into this week's episode. Material Components, Season 2, Episode 66, Speak Without Words. Greetings and welcome to Material Components, the actual play RPG show all about a galaxy of magic and the adventurers who live there. Brought to you by the Punch-Up Entertainment Network. I am your humble dragon master, Mike Gergoni, and joining me, as always, are my stalwart adventurers. Hey, adventurers. Thanks for being here. Heck yeah. Hey, hey. You're welcome. Also heck yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. I thought as it was pretty good. As long as you don't say yeah. howdy, we're, we're kosher. Uh, uh, <laughs> hey, everybody. Uh, I am Olivia, and I am playing Floriana Bacalar. I'm Elliot, and I am playing Shay, the wizard. Wizard. The wizard. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> uh, it's I bad am. that I was holding up the wine glass, too, because it's <laughs> literally like my first two sips. I'm not even tipsy. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name is Michael, and I'm playing Oswald Octavian Theophilus III, the bird. <laughs> Why do you have to end it that way? That's so confusing. That hurts. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Reed, and I will be playing Amari. Clean. Good. Clean. Simple. Yeah. Solid. <laughs> got it in one. <laughs> it just, I was going to say Elven Wizard, and then I said Wizard first, and it got, Yeah. I would blame Friday Energy, but it is solidly Shade a Wednesday. Wizard, <laughs> it's, a, it's it's hot, you know. It's it's yeah, keeps getting to us. It's, true. it's been mentally Friday Energy since about eleven a.m. Monday. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say uh, since twenty twenty. So yeah. Uh, uh. Indeed. And of course, before we begin today's session, I would like to ask the same question I ask every time, and that is Olivia. Do you remember what happened last time? Yes, I do. Oh, good. <laughs> um, we, well, uh, just for a little bit of uh, previous context, we um, have completely left Seawell behind. We're now untrackable, untraceable. Um, we had decided that we were going to um go to see the arch proctor as like our next goal uh we have this little sidebar in vast plane and we all kind of decided that it would be best 
to not like that just seems a little less urgent um though who knows Mm, Um, just some yeah yeah well comparatively speaking depends who you ask yeah 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 um (laughs) so in order to do that because we have no idea where the hell this guy is um guy it's not a guy it's we don't know what it is um but uh we called mr zinn to kind of get directions um and also just sort of check in with him about you know what is going on the situation the situation with the representative representative from vast plain um and also about a little bit about the fact that uh, some of us might be might be going a little space crazy um like you do it's probably no big deal it's fine um so we did and he gave us some uh gave us some info and like agreed to guide shay through the jumps um (laughs) and also teach them how to like fly a plane because they've never done that before it's not a plane it's a spaceship Friday energy. <laughs> was, a, um, was a submarine at one point. It Never was, it was yeah, briefly yeah. a submarine. Um, I mean, anytime it's flying within the atmosphere, does it make it a plane? Though? No. Interesting. It's, like, it's, mm. it's still mm. a rocket. Like a rocket isn't a plane while it's in the atmosphere. It's not even a rocket. It's powered by crystals. Even more interestingly, yeah, yeah all propulsion is powered by the same devices in this universe. So... so there's really no difference. Nobody knows what a plane is. It could be a plane. It's a go-go machine, okay? It goes places. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I've totally lost my train of thought. Completely derailed. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. It, no, it's not that kind of welcome train to, either. Wel- oh, yeah. Welcome right. to the show. <gasps> what are the space trains like? Ooh. Choo-choo. Fast. Speaking of being void mad, guess who is? Answer, it's Shay. Shay mm-hmm. is also a little void mad. Um, because as we we had mostly confirmed, um it is in fact Florian and Oswald and Shay's ability to drain Aether from things that has exacerbated this uh it's not conditions, but condi- yeah, yeah. It's like- it, it turns out Dragon Master Mike, way back when, after realizing that Aether Leech was busted AF, said there needs to be narrative consequences to the power now in the grasp of these players, and the seeds were lain oh so long ago, and now they have come to bear sweet, delicious dark fruit, namely. The fruit of what happens when the person driving your spaceship starts to lose their mind. Um, actually, it actually it went pretty well with the guidance of Mister Zinn. Shay was able to kind of like use like willpower to center themselves and still was able to direct us where we needed to go, um, though not without like pretty severe uh pain and um like harm <laughs> to themselves which great good that's that, that was that's definitely a 
what's in the box pain moment where whether or not any of that neural stimuli actually translates into the quote unquote real world remains to be seen mostly. Which, Which honestly, like, it gave Elliot a chance to do a Dune moment, so... Yeah. yeah and true. also also um I think I did some pretty good acting last week too. So You did. Can't confirm. I was really proud of that. Um but yeah, so we're we're going to move to LA. <laughs> Don't uh, do it. Yeah, that was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh pause we this is a joke. We love all of our listeners in LA. Please Tell your friends and people who produce podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> you hear that, iHeartRadio? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they'd love us. <laughs> but yeah, we, we did it. And by we, I mean oh, entirely Shay did it. We're on our way to the Arch Proctor. It's true. And I maybe it. about to find some answers as to kind of what Mara's deal is and how we can uh, A, not lose her to Aegis Tech, and B, not let her become evil. (laughs) This is true. And near the end there, after Mr. Zinn realized that it was the Void's influence on Shay that seemed to attract the strange eldritch powers, which contract and congeal in that place which may or may not be the things which drive mortals mad when they stare into those emerald depths he came to the decision that maybe take a break from this first jaunt because he informed you that there would be at least a dozen more of these particular kinds of jumps and maybe taking a break and just get him back on the call to confirm what it is y'all are talking about when you say you've been able to reach out and absorb Aether the way you have been. It seemed to be very concerning to him in ways that only Shay was witness to because they yeah. were the ones in direct contact with Mr. Zinn upon the Astral Sea. So as you all find yourselves now aboard the Tiresian, in the middle of you-have-no-idea space. You literally have no idea where you are right now. Shay's navigation of the Tiresian was done in such a way as to draw you towards a point shown to you by Mr. Zinn, not calculated by any system you have aboard the ship, or drawing you towards any way gate that might be a destination you could automatically navigate towards. You are in what is called dead space. That place where it is simply emptiness. And if you are very, very lucky, you might have somebody who can navigate via astrological positionings. But if you don't know where you are, it's really tough to know where you're going. As... Shay, you come out of the the isolation pod, the navigation chamber, out onto the bridge. You find that most of your allies are there around you. Everyone was sort of bracing themselves for the next step into their 
void madness. Whether it be Florian, who was <laughs> tossing around the suggestion of being tied up or locked in a room somewhere. Oswald, who's still not even sure if that is what's happening. And Amari, who is supposedly the one in charge of flying this thing, but now has to worry about two of his compatriots possibly, oh, I don't know, opening an airlock. I made pizza rolls. Does anyone want some? I mean, like, that's what I've been doing while you guys... Amari's gone void mad. Mm -hmm. Oh. Real Amari so would never make pizza so rolls with the rest of us. Uh, I almost was like, does anyone want to make pizza rolls? I just found <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> Did, are you sure Amari didn't just pull them out of the garbage? <laughs> Draw wouldn't have let them get to the garbage. <laughs> True. He is the garbage. He is the garbage. <laughs> they go in him. Kala and Vesnes Rosek are also there, having been available should they need to restrain somebody suddenly. But yeah, you all glance around. The shutters that usually come down while you're warping to block the view screens are rolling back now, revealing the fact that you are in the middle of what looks like a bright, radiant pink and purple nebula. These convulsing lines of plasma that ripple and warp around you. And for those of you who have spent a decent amount of time out in space, you have to take a second to brace yourself. Because when you see something rippling and moving like that, your first thought is dragon. Dragons are ambulating plasma storms that move almost randomly throughout space. They are not bound to any one location and that makes them extremely dangerous but there are like hurricane tracker type services that tell people like hey a dragon's moving this way gtfo yeah and as far <laughs> as anybody's aware it is not what people tend to think of as dragons traditionally they are the storms there's uh, mythological dragons and then there's that thing in nature that people called dragons because they're big and impressive Exactly. Yeah. But that being said, that fear subsides rather quickly as like, oh, no, this is just a gently drifting nebula that you find yourselves in. There's lots of solar dust out there, and it is in these bright, vibrant colors that twists and curls in strange geometric patterns. Oh, that's nice. Is there a way we can tell where where we ended up? Like, can the, can the ship sort of ping out and sort of take a look or, or do we need to navigate it by our own sort of uh, know-how? Normally, if you were in settled space, you absolutely could ping out and usually you'd hit a comm buoy or something and that would immediately let you know where you are in space. You do that here and nothing comes back. Hmm. The nebula around you makes it difficult to see formations of stars it would be hard to navigate the old way in this place you'd have to break out of the nebula so uh how long uh, how many do we know uh, actually out of character do we know how many more of those jumps we need to do or does Sh uh, shay only have that information right now the only person that's been told is shay okay 
Uh, did we... Are we there? Did we... Uh, no. Uh, we've got, uh, like, at least a dozen more jumps. Oh. I'm guessing this place is really well hidden. A dozen more? That's... Um... Well, the first one could have been worse, I think. <laughs> as far as I know, none of us went to Void Mad, unless... Uh, yeah. Um, we sort of had a bit of this conversation at the end of the last episode, is that correct? You and Mr. Zen did. Oh, I could have sworn I came out and said something like, okay, I might also be a little bit Void Mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just briefly. Okay. 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 So what does that mean for the rest of this? Well, I need to roll trip. better next time. No. Um <laughs> I don't know what that means. Well, it wasn't too bad. Um <laughs> I mean, we're all alive, right? Like let's just revel in that for a minute. Um and we know for a fact that we ended up where we where we want to, right? Yes. It, yes. Okay. Uh, it's yeah. it's a little hard to it's a little hard to explain, but basically, Mister Zinn and I were hanging out metaphysically, and he grabbed my hand and pulled me metaphysically to where we were supposed to be, and I was metaphysically holding the ship, and so now we're there, but for real. That doesn't seem that hard to explain. That. That, that's pretty. Okay, I kind of thought the metaphysical part would would like be go a little bit over heads, but hey, that's great, excellent. It, I, I'm High not necessarily me. sure what you necessarily mean by metaphysically, but, but I think sense. that abstraction. Okay. Is, okay. Yes. Yes. Good. Good. Yes. Good. Good. Because again, I didn't graduate, so I don't. I also am not 100 percent sure. Uh, but I did the first, I did the first two graduate. There's like multiple graduations. But anyway, it's not important. So when I was holding the ship, there was a nasty little thing that was slashing at my hand. I was holding the ship, like covering it with my hand uh, to keep it safe from the void. And something was slashing at my hand very bad. And it hurt quite a lot as I was trying to pull you guys over. Uh, but it wasn't real. Like, you can see my hand's totally fine. Uh, and in the metaphysical space, my hand was also totally fine. So it's just mm. all in my head. And I'm sure that next time that won't happen, probably. More than 12 chance. If I'm doing my calculations correctly. Is there at least a way to maybe mitigate or uh, limit uh, the likelihood? <sighs> Well, it seems the problem is a little bit uh, inherent. It, it, it seems that you and I and Florian, you know how we can, you know, draw out power from things. Oh, yes. Very convenient. Yeah. Very useful. Yes. Yeah, it's really convenient. Uh, but unfortunately, I, I don't know what you guys did to be able to do that but it seems that whatever however we're able to do that is affecting us when we're in void space and at that point all of the power on the ship goes out and you are suddenly in darkness 
That's in character. That happens. Uh, hey, uh, Ma- Mara? Everybody still here? You all yeah. slowly start drifting up off of your seats as gravity cuts mm-hmm. out. Oh, hey, that's Ooh. not good. Uh, oh, yes. Oh, wait, um, I can levitate. Whoops, I forgot. <laughs> question, is is this like a... Would Amari know anything about being inside something like this, uh, like a nebula to this degree? Would that have any play on onboard systems? It could. Okay. There's all sorts of weird shit out in space. Probably. Just be glad it's not a god cloud. Those are the worst. Clouds that think they're a god. Whenever a starship runs into those, it's always trouble. Yeah. The ego on those things. Oh, terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty quickly, the... Dull red emergency lighting comes on inside the bridge. There's still no power on the consoles in front of you. Gravity is still absolutely out of commission, so you are gently weightless in this space. But there is a low, dark red light that is filling certain corners of the room. It's not giving you a lot of illumination, but it's enough to make out shapes and distances. Uh, Are all systems... Off, like, does it look like all systems are like kind of off, or at least in standby mode in some capacity? Yeah. Okay. Because we're not like suffocating. Not yet. Not yet. I mean, yeah. There's there's we're in a ship. There's a lot of air on it. You wouldn't immediately start suffocating unless uh, all the air got yes. pulled out. That's true. Uh, Take at least a day, two, maybe. Wait, uh, to that point, you'd actually freeze um, to death first. True. We, oh, uh, should I go see if we can get business and Kala? They're both right there. Uh, Kala. They had left. No, they were hanging out on the bridge during the warp. Okay. Yeah. Never mind mind then. I don't say that. They left during your initial conversation with With Mr. Zinn. Zinn, yeah. But Kala is clutching at the seat of her chair, kind of holding herself down, and Vesnus is gently floating up in the air, her hands behind her head, kind of looking at her, please, nice. like this is uh, very All amusing her. to her. Do any of our personal systems work? Like our data pads and stuff? You pull out your personal data pad, you like tap it, and it's just a piece of... Plasteel and Aethite. Nice. So, so you know the thing that Fizness and I were talking about, about how Aethertech is stupid. This, this yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aethertech's stupid. Okay, uh, great. I'm okay. gonna... Is there a manual reset of some kind? Yeah, I... Shay was about to be like, okay, I'll go figure out what's going on. I'm gonna... Because I can, like, propel myself because I'm a wizard. So I'll just zoom to where whatever manual reset thing is located on the ship. It would be in engineering. Yeah. Alright, I'll go down to engineering. I'll figure out what's going on. What about my ocular implants? Are those working? You blink a couple of times and you think so. Can I I can make out shapes and everything? Yeah. Or, uh, that's fine. Okay. 
if I try to like access the archive, uh, how does that how does that work? You seem to have no connection to the metanet. Okay. So Shay leaves to go down a level and towards the rear of the ship to the engineering bay. Is everyone else staying put on the bridge? Um, there's no way to monitor any sort of life support systems because everything is down, correct? Yes. Okay. Dang. Um, yeah. Where would life support systems be located? All in engineering? The best way to access them would be in engineering. Technically, the life support systems are all over the ship. Okay. Because they are connected to, like, air vents and circulation systems that go everywhere. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, shit. So, Shay's leaving. Anyone going with him? Sounds like a no. Yeah, I mean... Okay. Uh, I, I guess I'll go um, and assist Shay if, I, if they need it. Just, like, the like the reason that they were going by themselves is because that they can fly. And the gra- gravity doesn't affect them at all. Can I use um, my graviturgy to just kind of tug myself along until just yeah, to follow. Absolutely. Okay. Great. I can also pull you by your your little your little claw if you want, but yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Nothing has any weight here, so it's very easy to push and pull things as long as there's room to do so. Yeah. Yeah. This is also a spaceship. There are like bulkhead handholds for exactly this sort of thing. Very mm-hmm. few spaceships are designed in such a way that a lack of gravity is completely disregarded because mm-hmm. you're in space. Stuff happens. Sometimes you need to navigate a ship when you don't have gravity. And this was yeah. once upon a time, a military ship. So it is doubly so. Yeah. But that is not an issue for Shay. They can propel themselves down hallways and staircases with the lightest of ease. They're too Wee. cool. As you move down and away from the bridge, there is a steep staircase that leads down into the long hallway that is the primary deck of the ship where you have your living quarters, you have your mess hall, you have your uh, left and right bays that used to be uh, weapons depots, but now one of them is your communications array and one of them is just storage. And then at the very, very back of the ship, there is the engineering bay that is technically over your cargo bay. Mm-hmm. As you're descending this steep flight of steps and kind of just zooming down through the space where the steps are, Oswald, you get the distinct impression that the stairs begin to twist in front of you. In this spatial distortion, you see the stairs kind of like becoming this spiral pattern as you're going down. Uh, uh, Shay, uh, can you can can you look uh, over really quick? Uh, yeah. Did you just see? Did it? Did you see anything just now? Shay, you look like around, a, and it's not that far of a distance but that separates the bridge and the the main yeah. deck corridor. It's maybe 15 feet straight up. It's one of those, like, really steep shipboard staircases. Uh, what's... What's wrong? Oh, it's just, um... 
yeah, this is strange. My vision shifted and it sort of twisted a little bit. I, it could have just been me, uh, the stress of dealing with, you know, potential madness and all that. But to, yeah, you know. my business, you know, coworker, right? We're acquaintances. I have no secrets. I think that's I think so. Probably I just I mean I'm, I'm free to. Sorry, go on. But what what were you saying? I know that we like all kind of joke about the 12 loco thing but I, you may maybe like are, are you maybe like having too much of, you think it's maybe uh well i I'm not going to uh, pretend that it's the healthiest beverage but i've been drinking it for most of my life and i've never experienced anything like this it seems pretty out of the ordinary uh, Fair. Yikes, but fair. I only mean, like, have you been feeling like because of the stress that's going on with stuff, you need to drink more of it? Like, is it Ooh. maybe having mm. more of a toll on you? It just, mm. again, I know we joke about it, and I know that it's a thing, a whole thing for you, but I, I just worry about you sometimes oh well that's um well, that's very let me kind. know if i'm overstepping no 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 of course not it's it is complicated um to say the least uh, <laughs> it's a family thing yeah um, i know yes. that that's a touchy subject and a lot of rough stuff for you yes well you know it's um it it could be worse, um, I think, probably. Um, but and as uh, Oswald is saying, I think it could be worse. I think, probably. There is a voice that rings out over the corridor, and it's stilted and fractured, and it says, "Not, not, not alone, 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 alone. Not, not, not alone." We both hear that. Yeah, Mira. Mira. Me, 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 Mira. Pro Project Chimera. Oh, that's not good. Ooh, that's uh, let's, huh. let's, uh, sorry. Uh, sorry for the brief uh, detour into, uh, you know, emotional stuff. Oh. Uh, let's get to engineering. Uh, right yes, quick. yes, of course. Yes. We scoot on down. Up on the bridge, Florian and Amari, what are you doing? Just kind of floating idly? I don't um, think I don't think floating. I, I, are there um, seat belts on all the chairs on the bridge? Oh yeah, absolutely. For, like, unexpected turbulence. Yeah, I'm probably seat belted. Okay. Um, playing cards with the gals. <laughs> uh, I I guess uh, Mari would be going around checking any panels, just checking to see if. Any system has any power. Okay. Um, uh, who knows if it's like an isolated thing or 
like magically there's something do we have a do we have one of those car like portable car starters somewhere in here you have actually a ton of portable generators you specifically requested them before you left the <laughs> the storm's repose not on the bridge but you have a bunch of them yes i sudden i suddenly remember requisitioning all of these generators and i would tell people about it except the like all of our comms are down so you know i'll wait for people to get back the two of you are keenly aware of this distinct silence that is normally never present aboard a functioning spaceship, and it is uncomfortable, to say the least, because that quiet represents the lack of a hum of any sort of power or life support or... It's, it's the silence of space. It's... It is that creaking silence of space as the cold of the outer breadth of infinity begins to creep into the seams of the Tiresian and things start to slowly groan here and there on the exterior of the ship. And you are as about as close to the exterior of the ship as you can get because the bulkhead is directly above you and the viewports are to either side of the bridge that you can see out of. As you are tapping around and looking for through the different systems, you see that there is a console bank on the far side of the bridge that you've never interacted with, Amari. Mm -hmm. In a standard frigate, that would have been the, uh, the weapons array. That would be how you would basically calculate targeting trajectories for long, long-range batteries. You didn't think it served any purpose on this ship anymore, but you can see this faint green pulse coming from one of the consoles over there. Mm. Okay. I mean, I would go check that out. It's so dim that you really only see it once you're starting to poke around at other systems. It's on the far side, so it's in this well of darkness where the red emergency lights don't quite reach. Mm. And as you kind of gently propel yourself forward, kind of doing that weird no-gravity swim thing across the bridge that you see in the space station videos. It's weird because I'm a cat and my feet are always supposed to be, you know, mm. laying down and I don't know what to do with not having gravity anymore. It's it's horrid. <laughs> it's a rough time. But you come over to that console and you see that there is, yeah, one of the systems here is powered on. Or has some kind of emergency power. You're not quite sure. Um. Yeah, is it labeled with anything? It's just... All the labels would have been holographic, and they're all dead at the moment. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, can I throw an Aether in, into this to see if I can kind of boot it up? Sure. You throw an Aether into it, and the system gains a brief flicker of power, and mm. as it does... You see the weapon systems come online briefly, 
and this strange well of a reflection in the console below you as you stare down at yourself, suddenly looking up at you on a reverse panel of the console, looking up at you with the same expression that you're wearing, staring down at yourself, putting a batch of aether into this console before the console goes dead. Okay. Gonna leave that alone and back away from it. Florian, you have busted out a deck of cards? I don't know. Like, I don't even know that I have cards. Uh, no, we've established. We've established my vices gambling. So yeah, sure. Let's say I have a have a deck of cards. If if neither of the the gals will play with me, he's just like playing. Oh no, you can't because there's no gravity. <laughs> um He's just shuffling, kind of like shuffling them nervously then. Okay. On the table. Yeah, like again. Maybe making small talk, but like not, like, I don't know what you do when a, when a ship lo- loses power. He's, he doesn't, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, is it getting noticeably colder in here, though? Not right away. I would be paying attention to like that yeah. sort of thing. No, not right, not right away. And yeah, I mean, it's like waiting for the professionals to do what they do. Okay. As you are shuffling these cards, you feel them in your hand. And this is odd sensation because normally gravity does a lot of the work for you as you're shuffling cards. So now you have to have a bit like tighter grip on these cards or else they're going to spill out of your hands. And... As you do this, you feel one of them slip out of the bottom of the deck. And it starts floating in the air just in front of you. And the back of the card looks right. It's like a standard playing card. But then when it revolves and starts spinning in front of you, you catch an image that doesn't look right as it spins past your face. Can I catch it? The first image you see in the first spin looks to be some kind of blue, sharp lines, uh, some kind of winged serpent. On the second spin, you see this strange, you, you don't know, it, it is this something with, there's a scales, you just catch a flash of the, the image. Like weighing scales, and then you catch it and bring it back. And like most standard decks, the suits are based off the courts of the Fae. And the one you pull back, you see, and it is a lifebane of uh, water. Okay. I think he like really like investigates it in you know in his hands make sure that it's like feels real because i don't know space madness Mm -hmm. i know we're not in void but um how long has it been since shay and oswald left a couple of minutes they maybe have only just gotten to the engineering bay okay i think i like on 
buckle myself and put away the cards and I'm going to kind of push over to where Amari is and see if I can help out with this because this is starting to get creepy now. Is there... Is there anything? Anything up? I mean, this one panel has some sort of power. I threw an aether in there. But, I don't know. It's not working quite right. Does it Does it need more? I can... Uh, I, I don't know. Shit's weird right now. Is there a, like... Could you hypothetically restart the ship just by, like putting energy in or at least like some of the systems on the ship just by putting energy into the panel the like actual display boards here that's a lot like just putting a wire on a light bulb and running electricity through it if it's not like plugged into the system who knows how long it'll stay on long term as we just saw with amari yeah okay yes is in short is that's totally possible okay uh, yeah, then I don't know what else to do. <laughs> okay. Shay and Oswald, you are going down the corridor towards engineering, moving aft. Mm-hmm. It's very bizarre, Oswald. You have this sensation as you're moving. In your peripheral vision, you would swear there are bookshelves. But yeah, you look and you turn and it's just the corridor. Occasionally there's a doorway leading to rooms that you're fully aware of, one of which is your own. Mm. And by the silence that the audience heard, uh, what I meant to do was describe how Oswald looks around frantically, trying to see (laughs) the the images uh, Mm -hmm. that are creeping into his vision. Um, But he just keeps going. It's strange because he's Books are not really a thing for him. It's uh, books are a, a, no. a, an oddity. Yeah. So this is not a memory. No. And you don't have much choice in your going. You're being towed along by Shay at this point. Yeah. Shay, as you're moving, you are mm-hmm. passing your room on your left, and you see that the door is open. And you can't remember if you left it open or not. I think there's a brief hesitation. And then Shay is like, I'll check it. I'll check it later. Let's keep getting distracted. And as you pass it again, this whole hallway is only lit by these dull red lights that leave these big bulbs of shadow in between each of the distant lights so that each room that you're passing is ensconced in a bit of outward-leaning shadow, and inside that open door there is just a black pit that you pass by. But as you pass by it and... Yeah, I think... Yeah, Shave squeezes Oswald's hand a little bit tighter. <laughs> and Oswald's looking around, like, at a perif- I don't know if he happens to see what is in Shay's room. Um, you glance that way and you see somebody you don't recognize. Okay. Wearing 
robes, you think? It was maybe a uniform of some kind. But they look out from inside the room and stare at you curiously and ask in a voice that you hear and Shay, you also hear. So you're just leaving then? Oh no. That stops me. It can't be. What? Shay, would you please describe what Rionhen looked like? Oh no. Oh boy. She She and Shay are the same age. Um she has a uh, lighter skin uh than Shay does, but um her hair at least in this <laughs> what I'm assuming she looks like now, um uh her hair is like a strawberry blonde um tied back in like a very sensible uh French braid. Um back from her face and uh she has like really like piercing like olive-ish colored eyes also an elf yeah also an elf and you remember this conversation yeah i do it was a conversation on one of your last days before you left Wesrin Azald. It felt like a fight, though the words weren't that harsh that were exchanged. She asked you why you were giving it all up. What did you say when she asked you, why are you leaving this place that gave you everything? Right. I can't be part of what they're of what they what I could it's I don't want to be responsible for the deaths of millions of people that's the empire's doing that's the magus's doing that has nothing to do with us right my family is part of the empire not super not huge not that important but I can't even indirect I can't benefit from what's happened. I can't I can't be part of it if it happens again. And she knows you well enough to know that tone of voice you have when you're standing feet rooted uncompromising. She looks at you not with anger or pity or confusion. There's just sadness. And Oswald and Shay, you're hearing the echo of this conversation. Shay, you hear your own voice echoing in this hallway. And this elvish wizard dressed in the acolyte's robes of Wesrin Azald storms out into the hallway and walks straight through both of you before dissolving. And you're left in this ruddy darkness of the Tiresian. And without... Looking back at Oswald, as soon as the vision evaporates, Shay says, You could have come with me, Ray. 
I know you um, wouldn't have, but you didn't even let me ask. Okay. So alone. Okay. I thought you would understand. And Shay, like, lets go of Oswald's hand. Starts floating. Shay, can you hear me? Are you all right? Sorry. Well, um, I don't have a drinking problem, so sorry about earlier when I implied that whatever weird thing you saw was a result of... Anyway. Yes, I'll... uh, we should, um, I'm sorry, we but we, going. we... Yes. I'm just glad that I'm not the only one seeing it, yeah. if that's any comfort. A little bit. And, uh, I'll grab onto him again. You push down towards engineering, the ruddy red light guiding you down this long corridor. Eventually you come into this kind of cramped, recently refurbished room. The multicolored rings of the Formian generator are dark. The warp core is dark. There seems to be no power in the Tiresian. Florian. Yes. As you're standing next to Amari, you feel this itching sensation that's coming from your artificial arm. Uh, an artificial arm should not itch. No. It should not tingle like a recently acquired sunburn. Can I... Um... Can I remove, so I, or Florian remove, like starts to peel back the like heavy, like almost mechanics glove that he wears over it. Um, just to like look at it and see what, yeah. Cause that's like an odd sensation. That's not what happens when it malfunctions or shorts out. And as you peel back the glove, you don't see the metal and crystal of an artificial arm you pull back and there's this resistance on the glove like you're peeling it off something that is too big for the glove and as it's coming away you see these like flakes and little bits of you at first you think it's dust but as you pull and the glove comes away you see this thick gnarled fungal looking hand that looks like one of the limbs of the muskers that you left back on Akalar. And as you stare wildly at this, what is your reaction? Out of character. Oh no, I'm the bug man now. <laughs> uh, Welcome to the club. <laughs> it's a fun time. I'm going to tell um, what it isn't. I, I think, yeah, I think that Florian like starts scrape like scraping at the arm and is like trying to to like um because I because I the muskers like were gave off like spores and stuff right mm -hmm. like I, I I think he's like trying to brush off the fungus um. Have you ever shaken 
a, a fruit or a vegetable that's been shipped for I a really was, long time. And I that, knew exactly what you were going Like, say. filmy dust that comes off of it. Yeah. And can I, can I, to, like, dig in, like, dig into it and, like, try to, like, peel it away if I can? Sure. Your meat hand digs into the spongy, like, porous meat of the fungal arm and it gives way like you would push your fingers into a mushroom and it comes away in flaky chunks. Hate that. Thanks for that, Mental Image Mike. Oh, what the hell? And as you peel it back, you stare down, and suddenly your vision telescopes on this big chunk that you've taken out of your forearm, and you can see the dense forest hollow of big tree in your arm. Oh, I love Event Horizon. It's my favorite movie. <laughs> what am I seeing while this is happening? Like, like Florian's near me, right? Yeah, and Florian is near you. Kind of asking if the console needs extra aether. Right, and having heard Florian just go, what the fuck? No, that's not what you hear. Florian's looking attentively at the console, asking if it needs more aether. Um, oh God, I'm going to pull out the big ass knife. Mm -hmm. This is scary. I got to get, I got to get the mushroom arm off. Okay. Um, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't look like, like we went into big tree. Mm -hmm. It it looks like the inside of it. Yeah. There aren't, there aren't little lizard things in there are there as you stare down you see the writhing tiny forms of muskers in there no no cutting it off (laughs) and you just swing down attempting to cut your arm off at what point uh where the the um mechanical arm i'm oh god okay wait i'm assuming that it ends where the mechanical arm ends where does the so mechanical actually, arm usually end? Uh, it's like mid... Um, bicep? Not forearm, the other one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, mid bicep. Okay, on so the you right like arm. peel See back it. your sleeve to try to find where it usually ends. Mm-hmm. And you see that there is this pulsing root system now growing up into your shoulder. And as you, like, stare down at the joint of your shoulder, it doesn't look like your shoulder. And it slowly begins to rotate up and in front of your eyes. And you see this planet begin to orbit in front of you. And it slowly starts to rotate. And as it does, another planet moves around in a spherical motion. And another, and another, and another, until the five worlds of Akalar begin moving. Your arm still somewhere at its middle. Can I touch them? You reach out with the hand that has the big knife? Yeah, I do. Which planet do you touch? Oh. God, I'm so... I. 
Which one's close? Which one's which is just whichever one's closest? I don't think Sharetta, the one with your yeah, arm, okay. would be closest. Oh yeah, okay. Then then yeah, I'll do that one. That okay. doesn't it doesn't have any people on it. So if this is actually Akalar represented, it's not gonna maybe destroy a planet with my family and friends and everyone I care about. <laughs> And how are you touching it? Are you doing it with the knife? Yeah, I'm going to just, like, kind of poke it with the knife. Okay. And a hand slaps the knife down. You think it's your own hand at first, but then the voice of Yulin says, Put that damn thing away! Uh... Is is he there, or is it just like the vo- like the sensation of the hand and then the voice? Then it's and you look and he is there, standing over a table, rubbing his jaw and looking at a schematic of an Imperial transport ship. What uh, what is what's ha- what's happening? What's going on? <sighs> and. Uh, he'll look over at uh, another of the Sorry. gang members and then like they'll exchange a look and he'll look back to you and say, could you please pay attention for once? Uh, but I, I... This plan sort of revolves around you, okay? But what about, and I'll kind of like gesture at the... The planet arm thing happening. And your arm is there just as it always was. Oh, uh... You having uh, some of them phantom limbs? I heard they that happens sometimes. No, it's, uh... Uh... Sorry, and never, never mind. What, uh, what plan revolves around me? Look, the only way we're gonna get this ship out here is with a juicy enough bait. We figure there's lots of them, uh, whatchamacallits. The, the religious guys, big hats. The, uh, the Monotar? That's the one. With one of them floating around out here, maybe we draw bigger fish, let's say. <laughs> what? What's that got to do with me? And, like, there's a thoughtful exchange of looks between Yulin and Eider. Just, oh, there's a room full of Midrian dudes. Mm-hmm. The single yeah. Taro in their midst. You, you want me to pose as some dominion? I, I don't even know what they are, really. That's not important. We just... Cook up a scenario, get you seen by a few people, it'll be easy. Uh, I mean, I, I, I guess, I, I feel like, I, is, isn't there, like, isn't there something else we could do? We could, we could rob a, a smaller transport and, and hope they need to send another one, more defensible. I, I, Look, all this... Bug biting we've been doing is all well and good, but we gotta teach them that Akalar ain't safe for their kind. 
We only do that by making an example of one of the big fish. You will not. And he'll kind of like lean over the table. Ostensibly to not be heard. I don't know if I can, can do that. Look, I know your acting chops ain't. Akalar Community Theater won't exactly be losing its best and brightest, but. No, I mean, I mean, I'm scared. This could be bad. What's so bad about it? We put you in a fancy hat. We get a real blurry vid of you. Leak it to the right people. No problemo. And the people who sees it and who comes to investigate, they're not walking away. Who are they going to tell? And Florian will kind of just like look around to the, uh, I don't know, rough and tumble group uh, that he's in um, and kind of steal his resolve. He looks down at that same hand that was, that was, that started all of this. um, And it's like shaking on the table. He says, I, I guess. Uh, okay. Excellent. Kurt's always been already been working on the hat, so that won't his arts and crafts won't go to waste. Hear that, Kurt? Get that hat ready. Oh boy, I made a hat. God. And eventually, that is precisely what happens. But things get too hot, don't they, Florian? Yulin bites off more than he can chew. He usually does. So things get a little hairy. And suddenly, Florian of Akalar ain't from Akalar no more. Because of a stupid fucking hat. Yeah. No. It's because I said yes. And Amari, you hear Florian say yes. You turn and look, and Florian, you're standing on the bridge of the Tiresian. You blink a couple of times, you look around, you glance down at your hand, it's perfectly normal. Yes, what? What? Uh... No, I, I just, uh, I was just thinking to myself, are, is this console dark too? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he'll kind of turn away and like start fu- like futzing with the next thing. It's still also off. So like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Hmm. The console that Florian was just at. Mm-hmm. Was there any noticeable change at all? You move over to it and glance down, and there are these weird crumbs on it. You don't know where those came from. Someone's been snacking up here. It's ridiculous. This is a snack-free zone. You brought pizza rolls. I didn't eat them here. I brought them into the space, and then I took them out. It was It was to entice people to leave the bridge. 
is the green light still dimly kind of like no, going that off? Went off. Oh, okay. Interesting. Hmm. Um, if oh no, that wouldn't work. I was gonna say if I throw if I put an aether into our like comms relay, um, like our shipboard communications, there it, it would only work for the PA system and not so much the like calling people like the, the, the earpieces. Right. Cause that would require another person's right like, to put power into theirs. Okay. Um, yeah. Does Florian look any different? The outline is the same. I don't know. Is Florian visibly shaken? Uh, I think like less and less as the like the moment passed. Like you get caught in memories sometimes, right? That's a thing he thinks to himself. I, I guess the question is, how long was Florian standing there before he said yes? There was an awkward, lengthy beat, but not as long as it took for me to describe what happened. Okay, okay, I didn't know if there was some like. Yeah, just reliving the memory. Okay. The entire uh, six months of planning and past while Florian stood there awkwardly. You come out you come out of the memory. Everyone else is dead. There's a skeleton <laughs> just sitting there just like waiting patiently. Oh, oh crap. Oh darn. Um Yeah, Florian, you okay? Yeah, I just um Are you <clears throat> It's just creepy and mm -hmm. weird like this. Yeah. Yeah. Jumping, jumping at my own shadow. It's it's fine. It's nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, thumbs up, let me know. Do uh do you know what could have caused this? Um And a voice from near the ceiling will say, It's probably the Jotun. The one. And you stare up and you see that Vesnus is kind of just like resting her back against the ceiling, just yeah. gently floating. It looks like she's having a uh, her eyes are closed. She seems to be having a nap on the ceiling of the the bridge, but she will crack an eye open. One of those bright amber eyes of hers that seem to be all the brighter in the darkness. And oh, are they like reflective. Yeah, a little like bit. Hobbit eyes. Yeah, I was very much a golem. Just about Lord to, of the Rings. to ask, do uh, does Amari have um, dark vision? What those are called? No, no, the uh, eye bright that cats have. A little bit, yeah. That is something that uh, Leans and Lycan and Urson would have, and apparently Cog as well. But yes, Vesnus will say, Jotun. You not heard of this word? Not that I can say, no. What do your people call the things that live in the void? What do we call those things, Mike? I don't know. What would the Leon call big scary things that live in the middle of the place you go when you leap through space? Uh oh. Uh, I don't know. The plastic bag of doom? What, um... The yarn the, of sorrows. Yeah, yeah. 
the the angry cucumber. <laughs> um. Yeah. We ain't in the void anymore, though. Oh, sure, but you've heard the stories, right? Ships go through the void. They call it void damage, but you've seen it. It looks like scratch marks, yes? Yeah. There is something in there. Yeah. Sometimes it eats. She'll gesture around at the darkness. What does it eat? It eats the aether out of the ship. Hey, got it in one. Yeah. That's what I think it is. Okay. So... And Kala will say, but we had power when we came out of the void. Why would it suddenly just go out? Yeah. Um, there's a moment where, like, Amare looks uh, at Florian's like, unless something came out. Shay, Oswald, <laughs> because it's narratively interesting. <laughs> yeah. About right. Okay. Down in engineering, what are you doing? It is really dark in here, but for a few emergency lights up in the corners of the room. Um, I'm looking for the like manual restart. Okay. On the underside of the main drive crystal, which is what takes up the most space in this area, there is this big protrusion of gemstone that comes out of the rear wall of the ship. You know that that gemstone is actually the same piece that is protruding out the back of your ship and has been shaped into your drive crystals and thrust crystals. This is just Mm -hmm. an extension of that that is shaped by crystal smiths to be the back of this ship. Hmm. So this little protrusion into engineering is what allows you to interact with the systems of the ship. You have different layered circuitry of like overlaid crystal chems built into this protrusion to allow you to interact with different systems. Everything is powered via this enormous gemstone that is built into the rear of the craft. There are little lines of crystal aethite that run along the inside of every spaceship that is powered by aether tech that power all the systems that run from usually a central drive crystal. Right. Gives everything a Um, neon flare in this setting. So actually, yeah, that's actually, I said manual restart, but like, if the crystals don't have power, then you can't, it's like, it's like they're out of fuel. You can't restart an engine that's out of fuel. And you ran into this exact same scenario when you rescued that Stetter woman in the middle of nowhere space a few months back. Yeah, right. Mm. What did I do? Gave her a jump. I gave it a jump. I don't have any aether, though. You've got a little bit. You have a little bit? Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't. I'm almost oh. out. Right. Well, I do. I also know that Amari, uh, only Amari had this revelation, but we do have those generators. I was about to ask, like, 
Do I have to, like, spend an XP to be like, oh, some of the batteries are in here? No, you'd probably have some of them in here. Yeah. Okay. They'd be within eyesight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, well... Out of you can You can uh, throw in one if you want, but uh, probably at least use one of the generators to try and give it a kickstart. Yeah, yeah, that's... Um... Let's start with the generator, and if we need more, I can I can always give it a little bit. Uh, I imagine Oswald is also. I I would imagine we have flashlights uh, on the ship for when power goes out. Literally uh, anything that uses AetherTech can generate light. Flashlights are effectively useless because everything can be a flashlight. Perfect. Yeah. Can I? Uh, I'll just use. Uh, why not, uh, out of my uh, spectacles, uh, a light uh, uh, shines out like it's a uh, first-person horror video game. Um, and the light shines out into one of the corners of the room looking for one of the generators. And you see, mm-hmm. standing there, an imperious avia. He stands with this, like, robust vest across his chest, his clawed hands kind of clutching at the lapels. He has this kind of overwrought biotechnical implant on the side of his head that consumes his left eye that looks like a monocle that has been kind of welded onto his face. And as Oswald Septimus Theophilus I turns and stares at you, his eye will, like, the lens will contract and shift, focusing on you in the way it always does. And he will say, Ah, the fourth! Uh, I use um, Graviturgy to bring myself down to the ground. Um, so I can uh, enter the customary uh, kneeling position um, that is required for the beginning of any conversation with Septimus. Um, Am I seeing I... this? No. Okay. I'm just off in the corner looking for a generator. <laughs> uh, no, you see Oswald like sink down to the ground. Uh, yeah, buddy. Oh, you think groveling will do you well this time, hmm? I wasn't groveling. It's customary. Oh, I know groveling and custom and the difference between the two. Septimus, as you know, um, it's a matter of time. I'm actually still the third. uh, Oh, yes, are you then? Yes, it was a, a, mis, a, 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 a misunderstanding, uh, but I believe uh, I have a um, legal consult uh, uh, looking into the matter. So rest assured, uh, um, uh, it, it is being dealt with, and I, I have some uh, quite a bit of um, work that I've been doing, um, a big project that I think is going to give me the edge. So, um, I, I, so I, you I, think I, I you know rate that. higher than your dead sibling, then? Well, I'll be the judge of that. Yes, well, um, two, or formerly two, I guess. Um, well, they were, they were doing important work, of course, but 
I, I promise you what I am working on is important. And I, I... At um, least a third influences the opinions of people. What have you accomplished, fourth? I am working on, as I said, I'm, I'm working on something. There's, there's something big, Septimus, something very important that's happening that I have uh, investigated. And, well, once it comes out, well, there's not going to be a, anybody within uh, Dragonswake who doesn't know our name. Um, mm-hmm. I, I promise you, it'll, it'll be it'll be big. It, it, this is. I know. I said last year that um, or last cycle. It's not. Is it cycle? Is it? It's not year. It, they used it interchangeably. Okay, I know that. Uh, I know that last year I said it, 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 that the same thing. But this and the year before you, that. This, yes, and the yes. year before that. Yes, but this one's big. I and what I, about I the year before you, that? Prom- there was something about a a swamp creature on Virgil three. Hmm. Yes. How was that you. swamp fourth? It was vacant. There was nothing in there. It was just rumor. I'm sorry. I apologized before, and I'll do it again. I'm sorry. Shay, what are you doing while Oswald is seemingly talking to himself? supplicating himself towards um, a corner like having a complete mental breakdown it seems um shay like is frozen for a minute as he's kind of babbling all of this um and like kind of is slowly approaching and like kneeling down to try to like put a hand on his shoulder and as you reach out a hand to put on his shoulder you feel a hand touch your shoulder uh, I'll look back with a grimace. And as you turn and glance back, you see a being made of luminous light touching your shoulder. There is no shape beyond basic sapient, two arms, two legs, a head, a torso, but... It is just a vacant hole in space that is composed of light and has reached out a hand and is touching you on the shoulder lightly before you manage to make contact with Oswald. Uh, what? Uh, what is What is there? Who, uh, which, who are you? And Oswald Septimus Theophilus I will say, You think... Your rampant journalism will somehow put you ahead of your siblings? I think that in the grand scheme of things, that that what I'm working on is more important. Um, number three is simply entertaining the masses, you know. They're not doing anything meaningful. They're not moving f- forward uh, civilization. What I am working on is very, very important. I promise you. I promise you this year will be different. <laughs> well, you're still a far cry from number one. It doesn't matter what you do. What they have accomplished will put our name in the history books. Yes. Septimus. You're right. You'd best not forget it, boy. No, of course not. I I I shall not. 
you are, you are correct. And Shay, the hand will move away from your shoulder and you feel this intense wave of sadness hitting your etheric senses. Your natural empathetic abilities as an elf, your ability to sense emotions waving through the ripples of aether around you are hit by this tidal wave of sadness coming from this luminous being. It is though their entire essence is flooding out in this single moment of emotion. And then the figure vanishes. And you're alone in the bloody darkness with Oswald, who is quiet on the ground next to you. Uh, I think, like, involuntarily, Shay had, like, like, started to cry, like, just tears falling. Um... Uh, Oswald, uh, Oswald, no, like make contact, physical contact with him. Uh, and he, he kind of like re- reflexively flinches. Oh, Shay, it's you. Uh, yeah, hello. yeah. Is it, is it just you and I here? It, just yeah. you and me, yes? That's good. That's, 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 well. that's good. I, um, if I, um, I think uh, I need to go grab something, if you don't mind. Um, Are um, you sh- uh, Oswald, uh, look, it's just us right now, but there's something here. There was something that some... Yes, there was. There was something, yes. I just don't think that we should separate. I just I just need to get... Um, well, I, I, I need... Um, I just need... Um, feeling quite parched i could use it i could use something okay no no this is this is where it's my comment earlier is... Shay, you don't shame please please i won't be able Oswald? to focus without it i won't be able to focus without it please Oswald. i'm like gonna take his little bird head in my hands and i'm gonna say to him oswald you you are capable of so many great things. It's not... It's not the Twelve Loco that makes you capable of those things. It is... You and... Your... Your drive, your passion... It doesn't come from that. Okay? Your curiosity doesn't come from that. Not enough. I promise I will be more helpful to you if I can just... Please... I don't want you to go anywhere by yourself. And we need to get the ship back online. All we need to do is turn on a generator. Okay. You can do that. Okay. Yeah, I can. I, I shouldn't. I sh- even I shouldn't be able to, to mess that up. <laughs> I should be able to do it. You're right. It's like... The briefest forehead touch. Yikes. Okay. We'll do it together. Okay. And then neither yes. of us will mess it up, okay? Yes. Yes. So, so, um, what do we do? What do, uh, what do we do? Uh, do you need uh, aether? I, I have some. Uh, well, we, I mean, you've, I, can, uh, the, the light that came from his, his spectacles, did that actually shine on a generator? Yes. Well, you already found the generator, so... Hmm? 
Oh, looking yes. pretty good so far. Yes, there we go. Uh, and he um, sort of floats over and, and drags it over using some of his graviturgy. Um, although I don't know if he even really needs it. He just needs to push off of a wall and, and bring it along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was already gently floating. Nothing was holding it oh, to the yeah. floor. That's that's true. true. Yes. It didn't float away because it had nothing to propel it upward, but as soon as you touch it, there's no resistance. Okay. Uh, well, we, we've got a generator. Uh, now what? Amari. Okay. Yes. You are poking around in the last of the consoles that you have yet to check. Mm -hmm. The comm systems. Trying to rack your brain for, well, could I power this up and communicate with people? But no, I could just do the shipboard intercom. I couldn't really do point-to-point communication. You see the screen in front of you light up. Okay. It is... A comm console is now active in front of you. Sweet. You see that there is an incoming call. What's the caller ID on it? Unknown caller. Lovely. Okay. The call set is one you don't recognize. Um, well, any sort of communication with a downship would be uh, good to have. Mm. So I will answer that. You see that a another face uh, pops up. One you definitely recognize. They've been uh, a face on the news cycle here and there that you've caught time and again. You don't know the name, but the face is familiar. Taro, for sure. The Dominion always has kind of a lock on that in terms of their newscasters. It's something that's always rubbed you the wrong way about how things are done in the Minos Dominion is the fact that Taro always seemed to be the frontward face of everything they try to do. Mm-hmm. And the interviewer asks, Captain Kelrukasa, you say you've been working with your... Uh, battalion, what would they call it again? Um, we go by the title of the Golden Mane. The Golden Mane, right. Uh, this armored division has had a, quite a storied career under your leadership. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Well, you fought at the several battles recently, turning the tide against Imperial forces that were trying to subjugate the peoples of uh, several planets, yes? I mean, we're just out here doing what's needed, really. And what brings you here to Fortis, specifically? Just following orders. (laughs) Of course, like any good soldier. Mm. And suddenly there's this ringing in your ears. This hum, this whine. And the interviewer will put a finger to their earpiece and turn and look at the person who is manning the recording equipment and say, 
Jarethus, do you are you getting that? What is that? And Amari, you know what it is. Because it's the sound of something falling from high orbit at incredible speed. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, I'll call for everyone to, like, get down. And as you scream, get down, there is a massive explosion that rocks the base behind you. And not for the first time, and not for the last time, you cringe at the sight of something beginning to eclipse the sun. Cursing under your breath, you stare up as panic begins to grip those around you, as a supercarrier of the Connus Empire begins to blot out the light on the planet Fortis. What do you do? Um, make sure that everyone is okay right here, and then as soon as like I get a head count of like the couple people, uh, the person interviewing Amare, like the film crew, he's up and he's gone. And you move. Heading back into the base, there is shouting in the preparation bay. You can see that lines and lines and lines of stylized Seraph-class mechs are lined up to either side of this large bay. Which one do you go to? Um, I go to the one that has Tux in it. And... You find Tux. There is your mech, ready to go. It is only as you're scrambling into it, as the engineer leaps out of your way, the final preparations for launch already good to go, you see that the camera crew has followed you into the loading bay of the golden main. Um, Amari's barking orders to anyone that's around, um, telling everyone to get it to like suit up. And then we're uh, moving immediately to the blast zone. And you see not too far away, the twins loading up their cargo bays coming down and a grinning, wild-eyed Nasir having the cockpit doors come down on their mech directly across from you. The Leon nods to you with this wicked grin that you know spells trouble. Um, I gave him a, a, a rock-on sign. Um, just like, like, go get him, dude. Uh, don't have time for anything else. Um, and, uh, yeah close the cockpit and you see around you large probably three or four times the size of your normal body mechs beginning to come up and alert their legs extending their arms coming down ratcheting into position they grab enormous weapons from racks near their uh, engineering bays and they come clomping out of this warehouse embedded in a hillside just as imperial fighter craft begin screaming overhead and an enormous fight has broken out in low orbit around fortis nearby you see that your ground troops 
will be little use against something like a supercarrier as artificial night takes the air around you. Looking around, you're not quite sure what you can do to help fight that leviathan that is in the sky above you. Um, knowing this, uh, Amari has called uh, on all call sets available for like mass evacuations. And alarms have begun sounding these low droning tones that signal an evacuation. The battalion that was stationed here is not just your own armored division. There are... This was a training camp. This was away from the front line. This attack was never supposed to happen here. How the Empire got this deep into Dominion territory this quickly, you to this day still don't know. What you do know is when... A rippling beam of light cascades down out of the sky from the nose of that supercarrier. It doesn't hit your position. It hits dozens of miles away. But you can still feel the heat from inside of your mech. You've seen what happens when an Imperial Magus aboard a supercarrier begins their grim work. If something isn't done soon, this planet will barely be worth the name. What will be left is glass. To the south, there is a shipyard. You know that most of the ships there are grounded under repairs. But if there's anything that can get you up and into the fight at least briefly, while people here are trying to evacuate. It'll be over there. Um, make a call for any dropships in the area to pick up um, those ready to go, um, all units. Um, and then I think I would have the twins stay to see if they can evacuate people. Um, their, <laughs> their mech is far too large to go up in the air. Uh, so they'd be better off, uh, lifting things or using them as like flat cannons, so to speak, any, any fighters. And you see this enormous mech piloted by the twins moving out and it like kind of has to crawl out of the, uh, the the giant open bay doors of where the mechs are being kept. And when it stands up, it's a full 30 feet tall with almost like a centaur-like build with this enormous clawed hands and these huge cannons on its shoulders that are meant to be artillery. And as the legs split wide and it kind of grounds itself into a position, those cannons go foom, foom, and they fire up into the sky. The rest of the Golden Mane gathers up around you, and Nasir's voice says, Orders, Captain. Um, you know your job. Protect as many as you can. We're going to run interference to get as many people off the planet. We make it out, great. If we don't, that's our job. And you see little 
blue lights on your heads-up display blip on in acknowledgement. There's no words when a mech crew acknowledges orders. They simply think in the affirmative, and lights turn on inside their captain's cockpit to let them know that those mechs are going to follow orders. As the Golden Mane splits up and begins working as covering fire, using ground support to shoot flak up into the sky to keep those Imperial fighters off the loading ships. You lose men. That was inevitable. This is a war. But the number of people you save is far more than it might have been otherwise. You can't help but groan in desperate terrible anger when you see the camera crew not 50 feet away from you as you stand atop the wreckage of a fallen Imperial fighter still firing up into the air. The recording crew and the interviewer are standing there naked out in the open war zone as you can still feel the heat of that supercarrier's lancing beam turning the continent to the south of you to glass. Um, I'm going to ask someone to get them out of there. And as you shout that order, there is a blip of blue light and you see another mech come charging up out of the chaos strewn battlefield. It will lunge down at them and with two massive mechanical hands, grab these two civilians, pick them up like footballs, and then begin tromping off into the distance. But the recorder is still focused on you as a ship swoops down out of the sky and begins to lance at the ground with fire straight towards you. Um, yeah, going to pick up a, like a chunk of debris and just chuck it. This broken piece of an Imperial fighter that you hurl like an Olympic hammer toss up into the sky and it goes whirling through the air and cleaves this other craft in half and it explodes in the air. And that is the image that gets played a thousand times across hundreds of worlds in the Dominion as this broken, nearly defeated world is held for one last moment by this glorious mech pilot who is hurling debris into the sky for the last chance at victory and won, not the day, but a speedy retreat for those who could ill afford to fight back against the overwhelming firepower of the Conus Empire. You stare down at this calm console. The notification there is one you received. It was five turns after the events at Fortis. A simple, unsigned, but you recognize the call set from the news organization that just said, you might want to see this. And it is the full, uncut recording of their on-the-ground expose of the Battle of Fortis, which was lost, but in the Dominion Propaganda Corps, 
it became a rallying cry for the last stage of the war, with Amari Kelvercasa at its center. Um, and really, the only thing that Amari can focus on is like, like the words "defeat," "lost." And you were there the day it ended. That day on Minos, when the world broke. When the Dominion shattered. When things, people, gods, you still don't have the words for whatever it was the Minotaur and that Magus were that fought in the skies above Minos. Whatever they were, they weren't people anymore. People aren't that. People don't break the continents they walk on. People don't destroy clouds as they pass through them. People don't order the deaths of billions like those two did. You stare at that calm screen, consumed by the words defeat, retreat loss. The scream is what breaks you out of your reverie. Kala attempting to tear at the buckles that are holding her down to her chair. You turn around and stare at her as she is frantically trying to pull herself out of the straps in her chair on the bridge. Like, I'm like already going over. And she is suddenly calming down as you're there, Florian. And she's kind of holding up her hands and breathing and, like, sitting up. And she calmly, her hands trembling, unbuckle the clasp. And she gets up and out of the chair and stares down at it like the chair itself is what caused her panic. You had a... Uh, you saw something? Hmm? Uh, no, no, it's fine. I'm not... I, I did too, so... What? There's something going on with the... Uh, what did you call him? Jotun? And you glance up and Vesnus isn't there. Oh, that ain't good. Uh, yeah, something hinky's going on. I mean, obviously with the power, but... I'd say it's okay, it wasn't real, but if it was anything like mine, I'm sorry. I, um, it's, no, it's, it's fine, it's fine, it's, um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> Florian? Yes, ma'am? We're not in the metanet right now, Yes? No, ma'am. You, you'd I know if we promise were. promise you that. Are yeah. you sure? Oh, yeah. I, I, I would know. Okay. Because we're... when you're in the metanet, you can't... You see yourself as yourself. So how do you know when the simulation stops? Listen, I... Mm -hmm. We're not in the metanet. 
I can tell you that with a hundred percent certainty. And I know that you're not going to buy that because that's like part of it, but I'm just telling you right now. And I'm going to, heck, I'll like roll some dice to be as convincing as freaking possible. I know I can't do the Leon pheromone thing, but mm-hmm. I'm going to attempt to do the Leon pheromone thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. All fours, arch your back, bristle your tail. <laughs> She'll no. <laughs> she'll stare at you as you put on your convincing face, and she'll nod slowly. And she reaches up and slowly removes the cap from her horn that's been shaved down, um, and she'll just put that little piece of technology that works as like a augmented reality thing in her pocket. She'll glance around as though trying to convince herself that life isn't a simulation. I will kind of, not not leaving her, but I'll kind of turn to Mari and be like, should we, uh, do you think there's any danger in letting that one go off by herself? Given her uh, proclivity for uh, for blowing things up? Yeah, probably. Oswald and Shay. Yes. Yeah. Oswald, how much aether do you put into the generator? Um, I have six. Um, so I could start with four and see how it goes. Okay. Throwing four into this little... And the generators you have are pretty simple affairs. They're little, like, boxy contraptions. You've used them a few times now. Mm-hmm. And they have a couple of long cables coming out of them that you can plug into some universal ports on different chems th- that are used in different Aether tech. And they just they supply Aether. This one is dark, but when you throw four Aether into it, it shoom, suddenly fills this room with this bright blue light. Ah, excellent. Halfway there. Right. Uh, uh, and then I will hook it up to the... I'm assuming there's a port for mm-hmm. the... Yeah. Yeah. And you plug both the cords into either side of this large crystal protrusion with all these little like built-up consoles around it that are also made of lattice gemstone with circuitry patterns in each layer of crystal. Imagine salt crystals that are built like layer at a time. That is what mm-hmm. a a chem usually looks like. It is layered gemstone. And each layer has a different circuit pattern in it so that they're overlaid mm-hmm. on top of each other. And you can kind of see through them as they're semi-transparent. The chems each have a different thing that they do. Each layer of circuitry produces some effect when energy is put through it. So when Aether lances through this technology, all those little circuit patterns light up and suddenly you have this glowing piece of technology in front of you that sometimes projects holographic controls just above the surface of the crystal. Right. And that is exactly what happens when you power up the systems of your drive crystal. All of these little uh, consoles light up. It's not as bright as it maybe should be, but there's power. 
Nice. Ah, yes, yes, yes. We're on our way. Um, Great. so I'm gonna, yeah, I guess what is the next, what would typically be the next step here? Next step would be resetting the ship systems and providing yeah, them with power. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Again, I was, I'm still struggling with the, the, uh, uh, low, we're low on fuel technically though. So yeah, whatever. Um, okay. Yeah. Let's get this baby turned back on. Get some gravity back. Okay. Yes. And some CO2 scrubbers. <laughs> and you turn on the Tiresian. Power resets. There is a sudden... Ugh, as weight returns, gravity comes back. Those of you who are maybe gently floating above a couple inches above the ground are suddenly like Ugh, falling and you're catching yourself on whatever you're nearby. There is a burst of light everywhere in the ship as lights come back on. And there's that moment as you blink and white kind of engulfs your vision for a moment. And as you like blink hard and look around, you are caught by something that is terribly disturbing as you suddenly find yourselves in the Atlas room, that God's tech remnant of a map, and you suddenly find it zooming out and out and out and out and out, and then you're standing there in the Atlas room yet again, the four of you. Uh, no. No. Uh... But it's not just the four of you this time, because Kala and Vesnis are also there, and they weren't there last time. But they're both okay. looking around, confused, staring at the four of you. Okay. I... We just turned the ship on. Yes, we turned the ship on. Okay. And a voice will say, this must... Yes, you turned the ship on. Mira! Mira. Hey! Yes, that is me. What's, what's cool? Uh, how are you doing? And the atlas in front of you, the weird spindly arms that come from the ceiling and the floor and the pillar in the center of this place that create the the shape of the stars. Imagine a 3D printer where the lattice work of what it's made hasn't been broken off yet. And that's how it creates yeah. the image in the center. And all of that reforms into the tiny sundress wearing young girl that is Mera. And she is standing now in the center of the pillar in the Atlas chamber. And her monotone uh, visage, uh, the, the color sapped out by this construct, will glance at you and she'll tilt her head slightly and smile. And she'll say, I'm doing quite well, thank you. Uh, good. Good. I was I was worried about what would happen to you when the ship's power ship lost power. The ship has never lost power. But just but we just turned it back on. So. Oh, is that what you think turned back on? All right. Fascinating. What do you think turned yeah, back? Yeah. Your synaptic responses. What's been going on? Well, uh, wait, 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 wait. Our synaptic responses? Yes, I was quite worried there for a little while. 
What happened? Yes, uh, from your perspective, uh, after we got out of the jump, please describe in great detail. We exited the void, and for yes. a first-time navigator, Shay acquitted themselves very well. Thank you. And then you were all rendered comatose by an unknown energy pattern. Uh, okay. Uh, I tried to warn you, out. but I was not sure if it came through or not. Uh, we sort of, Oswald and I sort of heard you say something, but we couldn't, it wasn't clear. Uh, yes, chopped up. So, our synaptic responses are all functioning normally now? Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. That good. That makes sense. That that makes I me mean, feel a lot better. Actually, the, the, we're standing in front of the map room, like I know. the Atlas room. That's, like something's not working, right? Hey, hey listen. Yeah. That's why I asked. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mara no, you're is, good. You're good. Mara, is the energy field still on the ship? Oh yes. The Arch Proctor has been here for some time. Oh wait. Fantastic. That they introduced themselves to you. Not like you would, but yes. I believe they made introductions to the rest of you as well. What is that what that was? Call it that. I, uh, Not in the traditional sense, anyway. I could detect that they were interacting with you, certainly. I'm not certain what form it took. What form Trauma? did it take for you, Mara? It was a fascinating new experience. I can say that much. It was... Hmm. How best to describe it? You are aware of how synaptic responses respond to metanet cohesion? Yeah. Vaguely, yes. Our first interaction used these principles. Okay. Yes. The Archproctor exists on a similar wavelength. Okay, okay. Which means that the only way that, or maybe not the only way, but the most common way to interact is the same way we would re react, interact with, like, the metanet. I think it is similar. I have not had an experience to study metadiving technology. And there's Florian. a low groan from Kala. I was just about to say, Florian yeah. kind of winces and does not look her direction. Yeah. Shay also. <laughs> but we... So is there a way... Is the Arch Proctor here? I would assume. Is there a way for us to interact in our own bodies? And Shay, you get this broad sweeping emotion wave hit you yet again. There is concern, but also slight amusement that washes over you. Oh, good. Glad they're amused. Uh, you get the sense of just I'm... like, yes, but it would be tragically hilarious. Uh, I'm going to say no. I've been... Uh, I'm very receptive to etherics and um i felt this earlier uh i 
I think that the Arch Proctor, because they're on a different wavelength and possibly a wavelength of, I mean, definitely a wavelength of immense power, uh, there are very limited ways that we can communicate because it would kill us. And Mara will say, that seems rather likely, yes. Yeah. Real, I think the better real, real question... that Zan warned us about this. It's, yeah, it's super glad. Super Great. glad that... Great head. You know... Up on that one, yes. There is suddenly a whirl in the atlas in front of you. Mara's form dissipates, and you see a construct of a room... And there is a door at which the kind of stone construct figure of Mr. Zinn is slamming a fist against the door Ah. as though it won't open. And is like screaming up towards the ceiling as though he's arguing with the room itself. Okay, well, I mean, that's good because we had had like, I mean, right, everyone remembers, you know, we were super didn't feel great about trusting him because of all the stuff we've gone through and like you know he's like really made us trust him so like that would have super sucked if he had just super like straight up lied and okay well good for him good on him um and the form of mara will return and she will say i get the distinct feeling that mr zinn did not have a say in this yeah, so do I. Since we can just sort of talk out loud and the Arch Proctor will, you know, get the gist of it. Is there a way for us to interact with with you uh, that doesn't involve reliving the worst moments of our life? And there's this wave of mm. regret. Because I'm assuming, I'm assuming, you. what? There's a wave of regret that slams into you. Uh, okay. Regret either means no or sorry. Or both. Or both. Because I'm just going to assume Oswald and I both had pretty terrible... I mean, Oswald, you came out pretty shaken and uh, mine wasn't great. Gonna assume everyone else... Wasn't great. Yeah. um, Um... Yeah. Is there a reason uh, that you're coming to us now? I thought we had to get to you. And there is a dull moment in which nothing happens. And then the form of Mera dissipates and swirls and becomes that image of the galaxy again slightly tilted on its axis so you can see the arms of it gently drifting. You see the dragon's wake in its entirety. You're not sure if that's an answer. But then you see little motes of color begin to appear in the otherwise kind of shale grays and browns, earth tones of the map. Little blips of green. And Amari, you recognize this, like, distant little flash of green light. And these little blips of green begin happening slowly at first. Here and there. 
first in the western reach of the galaxy, then in the southern, and then in the eastern. Never in the northern reach. But they begin slowly at first, and then they pick up with increased intensity until the green is kind of suffusing large swaths of space as these little blooms of light. And the light is coming from nowhere, but it washes over stars and whirling systems, giving them little splotches of color for a moment. And that just keeps happening, like raindrops hitting a puddle, and every drop radiates out with green. And then the map changes and zooms in, and suddenly you see the storm's repose, that massive upside-down bowl with the spires, goes inside and you see walking down a corridor a single individual and at first you're taken aback because you look to your right and there's Florian but then directly in front of you there's Florian walking down a hallway and there's this little blip of green inside Florian and then the image shifts and there's Shay and the little blip of green starts and then there's Oswald and this isn't on the storms of pose this is on Talgan 3 and the little blip of green appears ah uh, okay the void stuff and then there's an image of a sphere that blips with green and then that sphere is put inside of a box and you can't see the green anymore. Okay. The void stuff needs to be contained before we can come see you. And the image shifts again, and it's the Dragon's Wake galaxy. I think it's more just like needs to be contained. Yeah, just in general. Period. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good that's a good point. How how do we do that? And Shay, you get this wave of emotion over you that is this almost aggravated sigh in an emotional form. It's just like this sensation of like, well, if I knew that, and <laughs> just watches over you of exasperation and tiredness. Uh, here, let me uh, let me put it uh, physically, and Shay will just do a like. Huge uh, shrug. Hmm. <laughs> Great. And the galaxy will swirl and you see the sphere again and it begins to blink with green light. And then the box forms. But it's not a box. It is a sapient creature. Two arms, two legs. Indistinct enough to be any species, but that little blip of green inside of them is small. The light seems to like come out like a heartbeat. Hmm. And then there is the image of Mr. Zinn locked in his room again, and he is head forward, just forehead resting against the door, arms kind of slack at his side, looking defeated. And that vaguely sapient form with the blipping green is kind of like 
mushed onto him like someone with a toy mushing two action figures together. And Mr. Zinn doesn't seem to react. You think it's still a live feed of him, maybe? But the mm. the weird mannequin doll thing is, like, tapped on him. Like a kid whapping two action figures together. And then he starts blipping with green. And he, like, his head gets up and, like, starts looking around as though he's reacting to something. And then when he turns and looks at you, his features are far more cartoonish and he gets these big, evil, angry eyebrows and these big fangs start growing out of his mouth. And suddenly he starts going, <laughs> though it's quiet and he's like cackling silently to himself. And you blink a couple times and you look and there's still Mr. Zinn, like head depressed against the door. And that's the live feed. But this weird cartoon version of him that is blipping green. It's like that okay. scene in The Emperor's New Groove where he pulls the, the <laughs> sheet down over and it's like sketched on top of Mr. <laughs> okay, okay. So, so it spreads. Yeah, it's infectious. The, the, the madness spreads. It, it, it can travel from one sapient creature to another. And we don't want it to get to Mr. Zinn. Which is why you're visiting us now. And it resolves back into a rotating image of the Dragon's Wake galaxy. Okay, okay. Right. Um, that's fair. So we could spread it to others? And you get that same kind of shrug, but also a... Unclear. Yeah. <laughs> Ask again later. <laughs> oh, that's... I have a question for you. How many other people have this ability to take Aether? Just these three? or And the little green lights begin blipping up all over the dragon's wake yeah, again. Yeah, no, those are folks. Yes. Anyone you've ever shaken hands with <laughs> saw, cast a longing glance across a coffee shop, you know... Uh, exchanged birthday gifts. You know, all Everyone of Everyone I've ever begged. <laughs> An image resolves, Oops. and it is a young child. And as though sped up in the way that you know this Atlas can, you see them moving in fast motion, resolving through their life. You see little blips of imagery. And at some point in their adolescence, they begin flashing green. And that green is like flashing really, really quickly as it's moving in time with them. And they grow up, grow old, and die. And the green flashing doesn't stop, but it also doesn't seem to affect their life in any significant way. Hmm. Very strange. Um, Does this have anything to do with Project Chimera? And the image resolves back into the dragon's wake. And the galaxy will rotate until the northern reach is facing down towards you. And you see that the little green dabbling lights aren't happening there. You know the Northern Reach is strange. It is affected in some way by the Fey realms that are slowly t 
taking over space there. It makes physics weird. It makes places strange. You know there is a way to literally physically get into the metanet in the Northern Reach. That is a thing that can happen. You can walk to the internet. Wow. Well, so if the the Fae no longer exist in a physical space, then the whatever this green blip is can't affect them, potentially. Maybe. But you see that lights begin appearing in the Northern Reach of six different colors associated with the six courts of the Fae. Hmm. And you see that big swaths of it are taken up by the silvery white light, what you assume to be associated with air. And you see that silvery white light, like, leaking out in veins into the western reach and touching places that you know are associated with the Khanis Empire. Does that seem to drive back any of the green lights that happen in like is it like where where those silvery veins go there are no longer these green blips no okay and as soon as you think that the green blips stop as though to drive home the point that they may these two things are unrelated Mm. okay i just wanted to know if it was like specifically like the fey influence was yeah yeah okay but well, yeah, we know that the Court of Air is, you know, entwining itself with the Connus Empire politically, and I don't, I don't know how else. But yeah, what what's one thing got to do with another? The image resolves all color disappearing. You see a tower, black, obelisk like against space around that tower there are seven figures each of them seems to be doing something except for the one at the center of this arrangement which sits upon a throne at the base of the tower just to her left on the step of the throne is a feminine form with a some kind of diadem made of light. As it gets closer and closer and closer, the face resolves into what if Mara, but older, just approaching the prime of her life. And the face of the figure on the throne is Mara, but what if a full woman at the height of her power and at her brow is a shining crown. The image pulls away and you see the other figures around this throne, this court that sits at the queen's attendance. And each of them you see in turn a hunched figure in a cowled robe holding some spiraling piece of triple helix 
like a, a staff of some kind, and it is Mara's face staring down at this, manipulating strands, threads tied between the, the triple helix. You see a figure armored with a sword, with a whetstone pulling across this massive blade, Mara holding this enormous chopping great sword on her lap. You see Mara, vivacious in the bloom of youth, curling a finger towards you all as you watch, her eyes intent and hungry. You see Mara off to one side of the other side of the queen, lounging on the step, wearing motley with a big wide smile and eyes that gleam of deception. All of them are Mara. But none of them are Mara that you know. Of course. It was never about creating a queen. It was about making a whole court. Shit. But what? Like, to what end? I, I mean... And the room goes dark for a moment. And then the galaxy reappears. No lights play over its surface. No dividing lines seem to accentuate any of the reaches, you see four colors appear. The silver of air, the red of fire, the deep earthen browns of earth, and the dark blues of water. Interspersed throughout these colors are dots of purple and black, just here and there, not unified in any way or shape. They swirl and commingle and slowly become this brackish gray. And that gray vibrates as like quicksilver or mercury. The beads of it, of the purple and the black, they roll into that brackishness and begin shuddering and shaking and cracks in the other colors begin to emerge as this gray gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then explodes outward and there's nothing left of any of the colors and the galaxy begins tumbling down little ashy gray flecks around the atlas chamber and then the galaxy reforms and then there are six colors divided evenly across the galaxy and Mara's quiet voice will say, Once upon a time, there were two courts, one of winter and one of summer. And then there were the wild fay, and the wild fay grew, and one day there was war, and the courts broke and became four. And then there were the four courts. Fire, earth, air, and water. And then there were the wild fay. And the wild fay grew. And then there was war. When the courts break, they must reform. Lest the wild fay become all. Then there will be no order. There will be no courts. Mind and body came next. Now there are no wild fae. For now. Mara, are you meant to be the new wild fae? I don't know. 
I do not believe so. Hector never mentioned anything about that. I did not know any of this history until the Archproctor explained it to me. I do not think many people know this history. First I've heard of it. I am told there were several wars at the beginning. I did not understand many of the details. Something to do with the, the dragons and the gods and the fae. It, it seems like Agastek is trying to manufacture a new war so that they or, can make the new court. Or they just were trying to make a new court to work under their will and didn't know about this and just stumbled upon it. That's also possible. And the image in the atlas resolves again to that black tower. And then suddenly there's a shield around it and you recognize this emblem of Aegis Tech Solutions. With the cold black tower at its center and a shield around the outside. Oh, it would make sense for them to have known the whole time. You see the tower crack and coming out of those cracks, leaking back into shape. Before too long, she's standing in front of you is the small, childlike form of Mera. And she says, The Archproctor doesn't know why I was made either. I think many of your theories might be valid, but there are scant few individuals who would know the truth. Yeah, I suspect all of them wouldn't be... Uh... Too keen on telling us. And Mera will look up at you all and she will begin walking forward and then she takes a couple of steps to the edge of the the platform where you think the, the lattice work should stop. But then she takes another step and it kind of leaks down off the platform and forms and pools into a step and her little foot steps down onto it. And it appears to support her weight. And she continues walking until those little tendrils just trail behind her to create and morph up into her form as she steps down, her feet connecting with each step as she steps down to be on a level with all of you until finally she is standing before you much smaller than any of you, except for maybe Oswald. <laughs> Whatever they were trying to do, I think it was bad. I don't know if Hector knew this, but I am fairly certain that Mr. Silvaro did. Uh, Shay will just sort of nod gently. I think they need to be stopped. Yes, I, I think so. Well, then it's, uh, it's mighty lucky we found you then, huh, kiddo? Yes. Without the perspective you've provided me, I do not think I would have come to this conclusion. If everyone I, in the room just like, oh, thank God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Shay, under the circumstances, is not going to, like, turn back and look at Kala with just, like, the smuggest grin on their face. But they're thinking it. They're thinking it. Anyone who manages to steal a glance back towards Kala will see that she's taken a few steps backwards. And is just looking at this whole situation with ashen dismay, her jaw set. 
Vesnus, on the other hand, is eagerly stepping forward and has this look on her face of righteous doom that is coming to those who have wronged her. Question becomes, not to make, you know, not to be a downer, is how do we take down, oh, I don't know, one of the most powerful companies in the galaxy? You know, one that sells a product that that near everyone uses. And, We're going to need uh, a good PR team. Yeah. yeah like, which, yeah. <laughs> and I, like, no offense, but we're not super great at. Mara will smile up at you, Florian, and say, oh, well, that is the easy part. And she will turn and gesture back towards the atlas, and it will swirl, and you see reforming at the center the Aegis Tech Solutions logo, and Mara will say, When you are opposed by a force or individual, I am told that the best way to combat it is with friends. And you see other logos and images begin to crop up around Aegis Tech Solutions. Womack and Sons. The houses. And you see Zolkan Industries. And you see Vorpal Corp. And you see the image of the, the crest of the Rosset hegemony. You see an image of different house crests from different imperial houses that aren't Silvaro. You see the images of different like university crests that focus on Fae studies. You see all these images begin to crop up around the, the dark black image of the tower on the shield. As you see the forces arrayed or could possibly be arrayed against rivals, political adversaries, people who want to see Aegis Tech and the Silvaro family at large turn to dust. And Mara will turn back and say, we have options. The problem is I hate all of those people too. No, I don't say that out loud. (laughs) There is a sense of relief that washes over you, Shay. There is a sense of apologetic sadness. And then you all find yourselves gasping, coming to consciousness on the bridge of the Tiresian. Shay, you never even managed to open up the sealed hatch into the navigation chamber. You stare frantically down at your hands. Everything's fine. Uh, I'll bust the door open. Ooh. Oh, right. Who needs a drink? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Vesnus will also raise a hand. Maybe go go easy, Vesnus. Let's maybe cut it down to half a can for you both. As you find yourselves back on your ship, looking around, you see a field of stars out beyond the view screens. 
Dragon's Wake galaxy swirling in all of its majesty. Glancing around, you see a harsh blinking light on some comms equipment. A series of text messages apologizing profusely from Mr. Zinn that are all coming in at the same time as though he sent them all at different times, but they're only just now getting yeah. to you. Well, we just came back into service. We yeah. just came yeah. back into mm-hmm. the South yeah. so they're all showing up. Yeah. Just like, I'm so sorry, they always do this. <laughs> You're gonna see some weird shit. It's gonna mm-hmm. make you really sad. And as you reallocate yourselves back to reality, you hope, you look around at each other with a certain amount of resolve, knowing that now you have an objective. That objective is to take down one of the largest corporations in the Dragon's Wake galaxy to make sure they can't hurt your little fey friend ever again. But I think that grand scheme might have to wait until next time. Because as always, you can find us online at matcomrpg on Twitter and Instagram. You can also email us at materialcomponentsrpg at gmail.com. We always love hearing from all of our listeners. You can find me on Twitter at cryoutolivia. I am always there talking about D&D and other RPGs and also just a lot of other nerd stuff so come hang out you can find me on twitter at elliot c lewis i'm an illustrator and graphic designer doing a lot of tabletop rpg and other fan art you can also support me on patreon and coffee links to both of those are in my twitter profile you can find me at the readamus on instagram and twitter where i post jokes and lots and lots of photos of nature so come check it out And you cannot find me on social media, but what you can do is support our show by rating and reviewing it on whatever platform you're listening to it on. Please, please, please do so. Indeed. And finally, you can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at MKGorgoni, where I'm always happy to talk about all things material components. But as always, the world is chaos. So please be kind to each other. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.